My name is Amy Claridge. I'm an enthusiastic cook, a lover of seasonal ingredients, but a very amateur fruit, herb and veg grower. Joining me is an allotmenteer who combines both worlds deliciously, Jane Hicklin. Jane, we're talking about one of my favourite things. We're talking about pumpkins and how yeah. to get the most of them. They are just this one thing that a lot of people think about with pumpkins is that they are just for Halloween, but actually there's such a variety of pumpkins and squashes and each of them have such very distinctive flavors. So the ones that you sort of see around Halloween time, the really big ones, they tend to have very limited flavor in them um, because they are grown for their size. However, that's quite ideal if you want to do things like pumpkin pie because you add lots of spices, but there's a massive variety and so much more you can do with them. No, I agree that the um, the big orange ones for carving, jack-o'-lantern, I think, and Connecticut, mm. I, I tend not to be excited about them in terms of cooking. I personally, I kind of find myself edging towards the likes of Crown Prince, which I mm. think is one of yours. It's very dense and very, what's the right word? Because it's not really fleshy, it's sort of dense, isn't it? It's a beautiful mm. kind of sort of light bluey green colour, isn't it? Well, how would you best describe Crown Prince on the inside? Yeah. I mean, they are solid. I mean, the, the jack-o'-lantern ones that you, you cut into, if you have ever carved a pumpkin, they're not too hard to actually get into, but the, the crown prince is much more substantial. So they do have quite a thick, like you say, bluish skin, but the, the flesh inside is this bright, gorgeous orange color. Um, and when you cook it, it's a real nutty flavor and it's, it's completely different to, you know, most people's experiences of pumpkins. It's completely different and it's just a stunning one to grow. It does, uh, it does seem to me with pumpkins that um, they all obviously appear at the same time because they're seasonal and they're growing. And if you're lucky and you grow them in the garden or in your case on an allotment, you end up with quite a lot of them and they're all pretty much ready at the same time, which is a bit of a conundrum. I mean, they have their own packaging. You don't need to do anything much with them. Or do you? Because I'm just wondering what you do with all these pumpkins, because they, they've finished, haven't they? But you're still cooking with them. Yeah, and I still have them as well. I still have them around the kitchen um, and at the allotment, curing nicely in their own little safe environments. What does, what um, does that curing mean? You've, I haven't heard of that before. What do you call curing? Uh, so curing is basically um, making sure that the, the skin has toughened up um, and it helps preserve, like you say, it's its own little packaging and it helps to preserve the, the vegetables on the inside as well. And you can do this with things like sweet potatoes actually need curing um, and it toughens up the skin. And actually, something like sweet potatoes, it's a good thing to do because the longer you keep the sweet potatoes, uh, the sweeter they actually get. So lots of vegetables have that. Um, and it is basically um, setting it out on a shelf, making sure they're not touching each other having nice, cool, dry conditions so that, that skin can harden off, making sure that they're not touching each other. So you've got a lot of squashes, don't let them touch each other because otherwise it creates condensation and that's where you get mold spots, the skin softens and it actually ends up ruining the, the vegetable, the fruit inside as well. So is it curing is a way of preserving. When you mentioned uh, a nice sort of cool, dry spot, so mm. I'm guessing a shed would be too warm it could be again it depends on sort of um the temperature outside a garage if you have a garage is actually quite ideal so i, I have lots of things hanging in my garage it looks 
quite terrifying actually there's hooks <laughs> everywhere uh, which has um, onions and it has garlic hanging off and yeah shelves of of squashes as well um and it, it's just making sure that there's air getting in there there's a you know there's plenty of space around them so that they can harden off so if you pick uh, like a crown prince i don't know october november time how long can does it take to cure and then how long can you expect its shelf life to be when would you kind of expect to be finishing off the crown prince supply that you've grown um well in terms of curing it's an ongoing thing so you could have something that you cured for six weeks but then you knock it and it goes in contact with something else and actually that can start to break down the skin so it's an ongoing thing um in terms of how long they actually last um, the main sort of consensus is six months. However, I know in previous years, well, I've grown a great big butternut squash, so it's the same family. Um, it actually lasted me until my butternuts for the next season were actually ready. So it had lasted me a year. Um, I cut into it and it was absolutely fine, very useful, edible, wasn't ill afterwards. Um, so they will last a long time as long as you're curing and protecting them properly. Ideal, isn't it? I mean, it does kind of make me think about, you know, actually having that proper and the word old fashioned is wrong, but that proper traditional way of growing things yourself to keep you fed through the dry, lean periods of the mm -hmm. of the vegetable growing year. And that's really heartening to hear that you, that you ate something that you'd grown a year before. And it was yeah. still fine. And that it just reminds me of a pot of jam on the shelf. You know, you'd, you'd hope to finish the last one before the strawberries came out again. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the beauty with doing the curing with uh, things like squashes is you don't need to actually do anything at all. You don't need to add anything to it. It is just making sure that you're storing it properly. So, yeah, I mean, preserves. Um, yeah, <laughs> obviously having those is... Again, it's that, it, like you say, it's that old fashioned style of, of mm. doing things and making sure because we do hit the hungry gap because, you know, we are very seasonal in the UK. We cannot grow everything all year round without a loss of intervention. Um, so being able to fill in that hungry gap sort of February, March time, just before we start off the next growing season is really a really important now we've mentioned that you um have an allotment and you're known as the allotment cook you're you're quite infamous now and um and i i i thought it would be a good opportunity as well to get some advice from you about growing um squash uh, pumpkins mm. in general what would you if we if we've never grown them before and even someone like me that has and it's gone okay but not not great uh, what would you advise what would you tell us um i would to start off with if you've never grown them before actually go for something which is going to be comfortable for you so probably going for those jack-o-lanterns so something like a big max or an atlantic giant um they're really good to grow and they're really good to grow with children as well actually um don't sow them too early um in terms of sort of the world of social media gardeners there's always a temptation of sowing things far too soon and you have to really sort of count back from the last frost date now that's really difficult because everything is changing and it's always different so for example last year the last frost date was right in the middle of may and we have a really long sustained frost which is not a great idea when you want to be planting out um because it's so late isn't it, it. I can't, yeah, i've forgotten that last year oh, uh, the year before it was march 
Um, so I, I know in, where are we? What year are we? <laughs> 2020. Um, I was planting things out sort of end of March, April time. But if I'd done that in 2021, it would have died. So, I mean, it's just that old saying, uh, never cast a clout till May is out as in don't put your stuff out until the end of May um, is well established and, and for last year that was certainly the case so you sort of have to count backwards from say middle of May going about eight weeks back and that's ideally when you need to be sowing your seeds for your squashes because by those eight weeks they're going to be too large they need to go out in the ground and if you're putting them out in the ground when there's going to be a frost that hits you're going to lose them so yeah it's, it's just getting it right in terms of when to sow it so you would have you would you would put the you'd get seeds you'd grow from seed and would you put that in on a window ledge a warm window ledge and then leave it there to do its own thing until it goes into the garden after yeah. the frost after the frost yeah so um if we're looking at sowing the seeds around march time um, middle of March is really good in terms of starting to get your seeds on the grow because we're starting to get more daylight hours. So finding a nice south facing window is really ideal so that your seedlings as they grow start to get that light because if they don't get light what they do is all plants will try to find it that photosynthesis they'll grow really tall really leggy and actually you'll end up with really weak plants so making sure that you have plenty of light as they're growing and then sort of <laughs> trying to get that timing what you can do as well is once you've got your seedlings to about five weeks is if you have a cold frame or if you have an unheated greenhouse move them into those areas and they start to acclimatize because if they've been in a nice warm house and suddenly they go outside where it's a bit chillier mm. again they're going to be quite upset with you it's like thinking about them as little people in a way isn't it which is a stupid mm. thing to say but you wouldn't want to go straight from a warm window ledge to go and sit out in the middle of an allotment would you really yourself yeah, without some kind of, of yeah. <laughs> some kind of sort of a halfway kind of house so when they when they're in when they're they're in the, the ground and they're growing mm -hmm. what always fascinates me is the amount of space they need between them yeah. it's tempting to put them close together and then they're all crowding each other like you know the district line at, at half past eight on a monday morning they're all rammed in it's that yes yeah, you need the space don't they they do need some space um in fact i mean you know that i'm really bad at labeling things terrible at labeling <laughs> things whether it's my preserves or my seedlings um and last year um when i was going through my sewing fest in march having everything sewed um i had my pumpkins and i had my cucumbers so you know looking at our turkey bits seeds are very similar like think my usual i'll remember what's what um, and what happened is in the polytunnel where my cucumbers need to be, I put my cucumbers, put another one in there. I thought it was a cucumber. It wasn't. It was actually a squash. <laughs> now, the squash was living its best life in that polytunnel because it was nice and warm and humid. And it was getting lots of water and it went absolutely mad. I mean, normally when they're outside in the ground, they vine like crazy, but... It, it was really living its best life. I ended up having to remove it, which was really sad, <laughs> but I, it was taken over the polytunnel, so I had to take it out. So yeah, they do need a lot of space. They do. We And we've mentioned that you have an allotment and also that you're known as the allotment cook. Now, I am a fan of uh, uh, squash pumpkins and we've already talked about um, Crown Prince. 
I will very often go for curry type dishes. I'm not a believer that you need meat in every single dish. And I've always thought that. I think vegetables, particularly things like the Crown Prince pumpkin are so good. But what do you do with yours? All your millions of crown prints you've got. And I have this lovely image of you in your house, practically, you know, getting into bed. What's that underneath my pillow? Oh, it's a crown prince. They're all, they're all lurking. I imagine you've got a house with a pumpkin doing its own thing in every single crevice everywhere. Um, what do you what do you do with them? What are your favourite dishes? Oh, there's just so many you can do. I mean, soup is, is the automatic go-to. Obviously, pumpkin pie, although I'll be honest, I, I wouldn't waste my I'm actually stroking oh. my crown prince here. I wouldn't I wouldn't waste my crown prince on the pumpkin pie because you add so many spices to it anyway. Um, I wouldn't want to lose the delicious flavour of it. Um, risottos, fabulous. Well, um, no, risottos, would you have it tiny and cubed? How would you how would you yeah, prep it for a risotto? Cubed. Yeah, tiny and cubed. And actually, even though it's a really hard squash um, when it's raw it does cook down really, really quickly. So it, it does get that nice sort of soft um, texture to it. So yeah, absolutely perfect in a risotto because obviously the, the time it takes to cook a risotto anyway, perfect. Um, I also did a really lovely blonde lasagna as well using a crown prince. A what lasagna? A blonde? A blonde, a blonde lasagna. What does that so mean? Basically no tomatoes. Oh, no tomatoes that sounds um, nice just, i like yeah, that it was yeah lovely. i did it for my brother my brother actually has um suffers from um an ulcer so he can't have acidic um things like tomatoes so i made him um a nice blonde lasagna which had my uh, my lovely crown prince in it and it was delicious yeah so blonde lasagna could you talk us through that um through that sauce in that blonde lasagna because yeah. you would have had a white so you would have been a bechamel yeah. Uh, layers of pasta lasagna pasta flat sheets of uh, pasta and then the sauce that's typically a bolognese type sauce with the tomatoes yeah. etc what was in yours can you can you run us through that yeah so it was just your, your typical like you say the, your typical white sauce so making up your, your roux to start off with with your your milk um and then a little bit of wine in there just to add a bit more flavor as well and I actually remember I, I put some tarragon in there as well and that was lovely um and I had some fennel some fennel bulbs um and again it just added that sort of additional layer of flavor just every now and then this extra little hits came through with the nuttiness of the actual crown prince was just delicious so any meat in there nope completely vegetarian no meat at all so you had a sort of a uh, you replaced the um, bolognese tomato type sauce with a with a with a oh, I imagine like diced um, crown prince fennel uh, cooked off a bit of white wine. Did you have any onions or garlic yep. in there? Onions, onions, garlic. Um, I had some leeks. At, I constantly seem to have leeks actually. I have <laughs> leeks. Yeah, and then yeah, use the leeks. Um, I think what else did I put in there? Yeah, that, that was about it. And it, it was substantial and it was, yeah, it was so full of flavour. How do you feel about roasting pumpkin like you would a roast potato? Yes, absolutely. It's, I mean, as soon as you roast anything like squashes, they, they give out that additional sort of um, sweetness 
if you like, you get the caramelization on it, which is lovely. So, I mean, I've already mentioned soups, but actually doing something like um, a squash and sweet potato roasted and then putting it into a soup is just stunning. It's so much sweeter. Do you think um, that pumpkins or do you think that particular kinds of pumpkin and squash lend themselves to chili flavours and Asian flavours? Yeah, I mean, we've got the, the curry squash, uh, which are the nice little round ones. They're so cute, um, which I've been eyeing up from one of my neighbours who's grown them for years. And every single year, I'm, like, I'm going to grow some of those. I'm going to grow some of those. And then I forget and I don't. I've got the seeds this year, so I'm going to grow some. Um, and they are ideal. Um, and they're, they're, they're such a perfect size as well. They're almost sort of in portion size for making one meal. Um, whereas once you start getting to these big old um, squashes, you have to think about, right, what am I going to use the rest of this for? Or possibly freezing it up. But yeah, the curries are really, really good for that. So you think they'd be good with the chilies, the Asian flavours, etc. And then because yeah. you mentioned for the, the likes of the Crown Prince going over towards something like a risotto, I'm kind of letting them in my mind sit with the more kind of Italian flavours, the dried oregano at this time of year, uh, or fresh oregano in the summer. Sorry? A bit, bit of nutmeg in there as well. Yes, yeah, that's good, brilliant. Taking, using nutmeg in, in savoury dishes. You mentioned about you're going to be you're going to start off your your um, you're sowing your seeds in your pot soon. So what will you be growing this year? You mentioned the was it called a curie? You mentioned that curie. one. What, what else will you be growing in the um, pumpkin and squash world this year? Um, I do have oh gosh I've actually got my seed box which is right underneath my laptop otherwise I'd be showing you all my seeds. Um, I've, I've got quite a few gourds. Um, you have to be careful with gourds because some of them are decorative um, rather than edible, but but I do have some edible gourds. Um, I've got one which is actually called, I'm pretty sure it's a naughty gourd. And it's, it looks- I don't like, like to ask. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's sort of a teardrop shape and it's very similar to the curry um, squash in its shape, but it's sort of green at the top and then yellow around the bottom. And it's a beautiful looking squash. So I'm looking forward to growing that. Um, my butternuts, I absolutely love butternut squashes. See, they're, they're such really a go such a go-to squash, aren't they, butternuts? They are. In fact, I think that's the first time I actually tried cooking with butternut squash was actually when I was cooking for my daughter when she was a tiny baby. So she was just going on to food. She was just being weaned off of sort, you know, going on to the, the bits and pieces. And I, I used to cook butternut squash with chicken and baby rice with her. Um, you know, and, and when I before I put the chicken in it, I sort of gave it a taste of this is actually really nice. Why am I cooking this for the baby? <laughs> I'm a I'm a bit of a fan of um, butternut squash with sage and feta, and that combination is really nice on a pizza. So we did quite yeah. a few. Um, we we bought a small pizza oven uh, last summer, so we went a bit pizza mad. And one of the ones I did was was cubed or grated butternut squash. Really, if it was cubed, really tiny. If it was grated, that's just grated. So let it cook in the heat of the pizza oven uh, with, with feta and also sage as well. I just yeah. find butternut squash just so, just versatile. It, it's, it is, yeah. And I, easy I to cut that. as well, the shape of it. You can just cut one end off and cut. It, yeah. I find that with a crown print, you have to pretty much have a kind of a, you know, you have to be a bit, little bit like a, an axe murderer, don't you? You have to be pretty, yeah. pretty, you have to really concentrate and be quite severe with them just to carve a bit off. <laughs> In fact, I know that one of uh, my allotment allotment friends, um, he was talking about his uh, crown prince and says, 
talking about how hard and how heavy it is actually to do anything. Um, and his wife apparently threw it out the bedroom window. <gasps> and that didn't work. So she went down, she got it, she picked it up and she threw it out again to actually get into it because it was that hard. So yeah, they can be, they can be quite The, the reward is quite high, isn't it, with those? Jane, yeah. it's been fascinating. We've learned a lot and I am inspired now to get my backside into gear and cook um, and grow. And I now know I, I need to, Yes, the, the crown prince, in my mind, is just such a thing of joy. I always bang on about it, and I need to make some this year because I want to be just like you and open up uh, a random cupboard I haven't been into for six months and, fi <laughs> and find two pumpkins in there. I think that's going to be my ultimate aim. I'm, I'm uh, quite tempted to get some little googly eyes and put them on my pumpkins. Yes. <laughs> All your new friends. Now, if we would like to know more about you and uh, perhaps listen and watch some of your vlogs that you do, you are you are pretty busy on social media. How can we find you? So um, I'm on Instagram and Twitter as Allotment Cooks. I also have the Facebook members page so that uh, people join up and we share recipes and we have over 300 recipes in the files on the members page as well as the uh, the open access um, page as well on Facebook. There's also Pinterest, uh, there's YouTube. So yeah, I'm just, just oh, TikTok as well. Started doing a bit of TikTok. You're easy to find. So we look for you as the allotment cook. As allotment cooks. Yeah. That's allotment cooks. Brilliant, allotment. thank you. <laughs> thank you very much, Jane. Thank you very much for your time. And no doubt we'll catch up again. Yep, lovely. Thank you very much.